Hello, my name is Franco, and I'm the editor here at PropMoto. Thanks for listening to this podcast about affordable housing. This is just one episode in a series where I interview people working to make housing more affordable, to understand why affordable housing is not only one of the most important things that the property industry should be addressing, but how it is one of the biggest opportunities as well. Thanks for listening. When confronted with the ails of modern society, it's really easy to place the blame on the system in which we distribute resources. In other words, it's really easy to place the blame on capitalism. This is the case when it comes to affordable housing. Since our capitalistic system rewards landlords for charging more rent, it must be capitalism's fault that so many of our cities are becoming unaffordable for all but the highest earners, right? While I think you could make a case that unchecked capitalism certainly is contributing to some of our affordability issues, this ignores the fact that for-profit companies can be a source of good. A new breed of companies is sprouting up that embody a modern form of capitalism, one that considers the social impact of a business alongside the possible return on investment. For the property industry, this is particularly important as these social impact companies are emerging as a growing force in the fight against the displacement often caused by escalating rent prices. One of the warriors in capitalism's campaign against inequity is Mark Etheridge, partner at Ascent Real Estate Capital. Mark fell into his position on the front lines of the affordability battle. I was at my last job, which was, I was a financier of real estate. I used to mostly arranged debt on all sorts of commercial real estate. Sometimes I'd raise equity. And because of the times we're in, a lot of what I was financing was multifamily properties. And because I was young, the multifamily properties I got to work on were older B and C properties, not class A properties that the loans were bigger and you got paid more. And, um, you know, they're more attractive to work on. So when you're in your 20s, you kind of get to work on what everyone else is not working on, which was these older 1970s and 1980s apartment complexes. It, it really struck me when I was, you know, working on them and when I would talk to our clients, the owners, um, kind of how this is really where affordable housing happens. And we're not really, hadn't really acknowledged it yet. You know, the, the affordable housing industry and particularly the tax credit program, you know, isn't really equipped to go out and buy private unrestricted properties and preserve them to be affordable. The Low Income Housing Tax Credit Program was designed to help grow the important, albeit less profitable, affordable housing sector of the real estate industry. But as Mark explained, it only really works when applied to new construction, while building more units is an important step in reversing the unaffordable conditions of many of our cities. We can only get to where we need to be by preserving the affordable housing that we already have. This doesn't always pan out in the current real estate environment. We put these terms on how we, you know, improve value at these properties. Um, And we put them in really, I would say, um, kind of economic terms, but they have really human impact, right? So when you have a value add strategy in multifamily, you know, and you're, you know, increasing, bringing rents to market and, you know, upgrading and modernizing interiors and improving tenant quality. Well, you know, those are a lot of words for displacement. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, if, if capitalism has to earn a, you know, the, you know, if, if private equity that you raise for real estate has certain yield expectations, 
and there's value add potential because we have a housing crisis and rents are increasing and market participants are trying to raise the most capital so they want to give investors less yield you know what you're really trying to do is raise rents faster than your competitors um, to offer your investors better yield and all that is a really bad recipe for residents especially residents who have historically been able to live in older apartment complexes as kind of a a bedrock of housing in urban communities for the last 20 or 30 years. The way that Mark and his team were able to do this was by combining the idea of a good financial investment and a good societal one. Unlike other methods of bringing money into affordable housing, this strategy doesn't rely on charity or tax breaks. Instead, it is a way to align what is the right thing to do with the needs of investment capital. When you get into social impact equities, you're taking on principles that more resemble market-based economics, right? In our case, we have a fund that pays quarterly dividends to investors that has a return profile in any given year of around 6%. And it has a total kind of IRR target over 20 years of 8%. And while that is not what typical real estate private equity would expect either from a return or an investment um, horizon perspective. Um, It's about three times longer than your normal real estate fund, and it's about half as much as your normal real estate private equity yields. It's a lot different of a pitch to a family office or a foundation or a corporation than, you know, give us money and get, you know, a third of it wiped away with, with a tax deduction, right? One of the keys to Mark's strategy is a long-term approach on these investments. Unlike other investment shops, which may hope to buy and then sell a property in five to seven years, typically the length of the commercial loan they need to purchase the building, a cent strategy has a 20-year time horizon. So it's a 20-year fund. We intend to own properties for 20 years. We do 20-year deed restrictions. We sign 20-year rental subsidy agreements um, for our 30% AMI. Um, rental subsidy programs. And so the goal really here is to set up this exact model for sustainable for 20 years. And there's there's two reasons why you do that. One is pragmatic and one is philosophical. You'll hear that duality from me a lot. Pragmatic reason is it's really hard to raise a fund longer than 20 years. <laughs> you know, traditional real estate funds are five to seven years. And so asking people to wait 20 years to get their money back you know, is a a stretch. And, you know, people who are wealthier tend to be older. And people who are older, you know, you have have some decisions to make about whether you're going to be alive to see those dollars come back, right? I mean, you know, corporate may be less important, but if you're a family office or a family foundation, I mean, it's a long time horizon to digest. Um, The philosophical reason is when you buy NOAA's, you're buying an asset that's already 40 or 50 years old. And so, you know, there is an end of, useful life of these properties. And I don't know if it's 70 years or 80 years or 90 years, but it's something around there. And at that time, a decision has to be made whether you continue to reinvest heavily in the property or if the property wants to be something else. As you might have already gathered, Mark is not your typical real estate professional. While he likes the fact that the property industry is one that can lead to a very successful career, money wasn't the reason he got into it in the first place. That might have a little to do with his family's history of activism. I wanted to be in real estate because it seemed like developers have a lot of influence on the way our city our city is you know growing and developing and changing. Um, and so that was compelling to me. Um, at the same token, you know, my dad is a 
former journalist, and my mom is a potter. And so, you know, I come from actually a family of journalists, um, a family who's been pretty committed to social justice. And so kind of the, the idea of just going into real estate development for profit was never really like in my worldview. Uh, real estate was always attractive to me because of like community impact, right? And so, yes, it's a lucrative industry. Yes, you know, you know, you can make money in it, even in affordable housing, you can afford a, a good lifestyle. But, you know, there's always kind of a dual, you know, attraction to it, not just the opportunity to own something that's expensive or, you know, take a risk and be rewarded for it, but also to, you know, kind of shape quality of life in our community. Understanding financial return is fairly easy. It isn't much more than a math problem. But understanding social impact is much less obvious. Mark realizes that the housing that his firm owns and operates also needs to include social services in order to help better its residents' lives. Now he is using the properties that he has already acquired as a bit of a laboratory to try to understand the best ways to help people. The property we just bought has a lot of young families with young kids. You know, how many of those kids went on to college versus, you know, kids um, in the neighborhood that went to the same schools that might have had an experience of more interruption in their lives because they're having to move every two years because rents keep going up and they can't afford to stay where they are. You know, what do those metrics look like? And so I think while we're building our supportive service model, which is certainly something that I'm having to learn because I'm a a real estate practitioner by trade, um, having that model in place and being able to set up some of those long-term studies um, to look at data and look at, you know, tangible outcomes for our residents is what I think is going to be the most impactful part of this work. As much as those critical social services are an important stepping stone in the often precipitous path out of poverty, it is important to remember that helping people stay in the same place can also be a huge benefit. The course of people, of working class folks and, and folks living in poverty is not a story of staying in the same place. It's a story of movement, right? And so think about the coupling of challenges between you know, you're new to a country, you're new to a city, English is not your primary language, and then you never get to build relationships with teachers, coaches, and friends because you're moving every two years, right? And I, I think that is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, that, that is like, if there's anything that inspires me about us buying that particular property, it's the opportunity for those kids to go to the same schools, you know, to move from elementary to middle to high school with their peers, and to actually cultivate long-term relationships that might help them, you know, find their way in our community in a way that might not be available to kids who live in the property next door. In my time researching affordable housing, I met many socially conscious people like Mark. But what makes Mark rather unique is the way he approached the problem. While it might be easy to blame capitalism for the state of affordability of housing in many of our urban areas, it does little for those who struggle to get by. Rather than condemning the system, Mark found a way to work within it. What we have seen over the past few decades is that we cannot rely on charity or tax credits to build and protect affordable housing. At least, not at the level we need at the moment. A better way is to admit that people who invest with their hearts should also be able to reap a return for doing so. Market forces might be one of the reasons that housing has become so unaffordable. 
But that doesn't mean that there isn't a market-based solution to our problem. I would like to take a minute to thank the sponsor for this series, MRI Software. One of the things I learned researching affordable housing is that to operate at a high level, or to even operate at all really, you have to be very efficient. MRI has software designed to help managers of public and affordable housing be more efficient, more sustainable, and more profitable. They have been trusted for years by all types of real estate companies to help them expand their capacity and maximize the value of their portfolios. Check out what they can do for you at mrisoftware.com.